if Triple H is listening to this podcast, he's going to get the idea of Jacob the heel catcher. We're here, me and Nico, we're talking about professional wrestling. We've got our first ever guest on the podcast, a man by the name of Darren Benedict, known worldwide as, I believe it's uh, Tex Benedict. Worldwide as Tex Benedict, and now as Reginald Kensington III, the voice <laughs> of chaotic wrestling. Yes. Greetings, Grapple fans. Reginald Kensington III here, bringing you Chaotic Wrestling's Chaotic Countdown 2022 by the numbers. I suggested this uh, topic to Nico and he was a little bit taken aback, I think partly because he's not a fan of the wrestling. And secondly, what's it got to do with Jews? And I said, well, there's a surprisingly high number of Jews in wrestling. And we talk about showbiz and theatre and comedy and horror and punk and all these things. And to me, wrestling's kind of a combination of all these different art forms. Do you think there's a Jewish heart in wrestling at all? As a young Jewish boy who grew up idolising wrestling, I did not see that there was a Jewish theme anywhere. I was blissfully ignorant. I was unaware of such things. As I started in the world of wrestling, and as I, I guess, wrestled with my own Jewish identity throughout my early adult years, I certainly saw many, many themes of wrestling. And not only with Jewish wrestlers, obviously, we know that there are several more famous ones than me, but just with general themes and storylines and tropes and all of the things that I'm sure exist in the other genres that you've discussed definitely come through in professional wrestling. I love that. You just came up with a joke or maybe it's the name of your autobiography that wrestling with, with faith and <laughs> the identity because that's essentially what this podcast is. It's looking at the idea of Jewish identity through different cultural pursuits and you know it's great to connect with you again Darren because I think there's a bit to unpack here that as you said Mayor uh, I was a bit sceptical about this as a topic. This feels like that joke in air plane where asking oh have you got any light reading yeah here's a brochure about great jewish sportsmen and now suddenly we're we're going into like jewish wrestling it's, it's a niche of a niche but i want to just say you know it's, it's wonderful to have our first guest on the podcast but also having darren who mayor and i were both at school with and i've not seen you for must be about 24 years you've moved to america um, i mean i moved to america for love uh, my wife is american we met in england and we decided to start a life here in the in the states you know it's great i, I love it here I work in uh, I work in education now. I'm still very involved in wrestling, um, just in different capacities now that I'm in my 40s than when I started and when I had my, uh, let's call it a wrestling career, but very much an independent wrestling career in the UK. And then, you know, towards the latter half of, of it in, in the States as well. Who is Tech? Is he uh, an English gentleman or, or an American? I always wrestled as Tex Benedict from that very first match in Hammerlock in 1997 because I used to be obsessed with wrestling figures. I used to collect action figures. I think I had just under a thousand of them at my peak of action figure collecting, which was ridiculous. I also collected magazines. So I had WWF magazines, WWE magazines, WCW, inside all of them. I think I had 11, 12 different types of magazines. Back in the day, I was you know, quite bored at home. So I'd be playing with my wrestling action figures because this was days before the internet. And this is what young children did back in the day without their phones stuck in their faces. I used to come up with magazine covers for just random wrestlers, like not real wrestlers 
wrestlers. I used to make them up. And the name that I made up was Tex Van Hedna. And I don't know why. I, I mean, it was some loosely based on Mr. Perfect, I guess. I don't know. And I love that name. And I was like, yeah, that's the name I want. So when I was in the show, I was dressed ready to go out there. The promoter, Andre Baker, who was no longer with us, came up to me and was like, what's your wrestling name? And I was like, uh, Tex Van Hedna. And he was like, no, that's ridiculous. What's your name? And I was like, Darren Benedict. And he's like, Tex Benedict, go. And just that was it. And I just kind of ran with it because it was a name, but it just didn't mean anything for like three or four years. It was just like, yeah, there's this guy, his name's Tex Benedict, go. And Benedict getting increasingly frustrated. And it has been a long time since I've seen Tex Benedict like this. It was bland. I didn't have a character. I didn't have a personality. And then I was messing around with just being American. And I could. I was always good at accents. You know, you name me an accent, I can probably do it to some insulting degree. But I could do an American accent. So it took about three or four years, but Tex Benedict morphed into being a very arrogant, in-your-face, stereotypical American who would sing the national anthem, but admittedly not knowing all of the words <laughs> and would say the Pledge of Allegiance but definitely get things wrong you know it became a perfect heel and it became a perfect like we know we're gonna boo this guy because he comes out waving an american flag before he's done anything in the ring tex benedict isn't a jewish character i'm assuming from the name and from how you've described him was there anything that ever came up at all uh, in the ring out the ring so tex benedict was a jew actually oh. <laughs> <laughs> what is he, so this is... Is he uh, a frontiersman who went to to peddle uh, his groceries and his goods to the prospectors of not quite not quite so so here's what i did everyone says that the best characters are yourself turned up a hundred times right so i i always tried to listen to that and i have this cloak right so i came down to the ring with a cloak on the back was tex benedict written in stars and stripes and on the back in between the text and the benedict was the israeli flag and then when i opened up the cloak it was the uh, stars and stripes inside the cloak like macho man randy savage when he opened opens up his sort of cloak. Um, so I came out with the Israeli flag on my back. So that was the extent of my Jewishness in the ring when I was working outside of my main promotion, which was LDN. But whilst I was working in LDN, I would also come out to Klezmer music. So just like as a, as a secondary nod to my Jewishness. You know, unless you knew that it was the Israeli flag and unless you knew that Klezmer music was, you know, rooted in Judaism, you wouldn't have known that it was anything to do with Jewish. I was never announced as like the Jewish this or the Jewish that. So I never experienced any anti-Semitism. I never experienced anything like that whilst wrestling as Tex Benedict specifically. Yeah, that was really just a little bit of, of how I incorporated my Judaism into my wrestling because I felt it was important to me to at least acknowledge my Jewish identity. The other piece of it was that being that this was all done prior to social media, I was very like persistent in trying to get any type of publicity I could. You know, I often had some 
small features in like the Borehamwood Times, which is where I lived, and in the Harrow Observer. But I also got a couple of features in the beacon of Jewish journalism in the uh, North London region, which of course is the Jewish Chronicle, to the degree where I think I had three or four small features in the JC and was nominated, I can't remember the year, maybe 2002, 2003, for the Jewish Sports Personality of the Year. Or I'm talking about all the way to the top, yeah. Unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in. But the cream will rise to the top. Is it helpful to um, talk about Jews and wrestling? Because, you know, so as, as, as I think I'm the outsider here who knows very little about wrestling. But if I was to write down what I knew about Jewish wrestlers, I'd probably put uh, Andy Kaufman, the uh, comedian and I think WWE Hall of Fame inductee. Randy Savage, who you mentioned, I think might be of the tribe. Goldberg, I think, is Jewish. He's certainly got a Jewish name. And that scene at the end of Bruno, where Sasha Baron Cohen is, is having <laughs> a age fight. Are you ready for some man-slamming action? Yeah! Who's ready for an old-fashioned hetero-fest? That's all I know about Jewish wrestlers. There's plenty more. I'm sure we'll get into it. But, like, Nico, even that, given your lack of knowledge of pro yeah, wrestling, yeah. you've just mentioned a Hall of Famer, arguably one of the most recognizable names in professional wrestling for the last 50 years in Randy Savage, and Bill Goldberg, who has the most Jewish-sounding name in the world. I mean, you could <laughs> call him Shirley Goldberg if you want, but he's a Goldberg, um, who, again, was one of the biggest wrestlers during wrestling's biggest ever eras. And I think that that in itself says something, because if we were having this discussion about another niche population and professional wrestling, you would struggle to name that big of stars. We were talking Native Americans. You would be able to bring up Chief J Strongbow and Tatanka and you would probably struggle to mention more, even though there are dozens more famous Native American wrestlers. As far as the actual like people that you could name as a casual fan, the fact that you were able to name three, including a Hall of Famer and two multi-time heavyweight champions is pretty sensational. Can we unpack that? Because you mentioned two Native American wrestlers. From their names alone, I'm assuming they're, they're kind of leaning into their heritage and the stereotypes that people might have of it. Was Goldberg, did he ever kind of come out to, you know, the Kirby Enthusiasm theme tune or anything like that. Yeah, when you came out to Kletzmer, so I guess there is that. No, I, I don't I don't think he ever really referenced his Judaism on right. screen. I just think that with his name, that was enough. His character is very much opposite of the Jewish stereotype. He's this completely powerful, jackhammering, spearing monster. The the ridiculous streak of the, the inflated numbers. He wasn't a pushover. He was this person that his whole thing was just destroying everything in his path. He was kind of like the opposite of the unkind stereotypes about Jews. But he did have his name there was that almost like a statement yes I, you know I am Goldberg and yes I am this man of strength that will destroy everything I can give you the antithesis of Goldberg the opposite of Goldberg was Barry Horowitz And Barry 
Gary Horowitz did everything that we've said Goldberg did, but the opposite. He had a mug and David. He had the Star of David on his trunks. He kept his name Horowitz. But whereas Goldberg was winning 181 matches in a row, Barry Horowitz was losing 200 matches in a row. And Barry Horowitz was acknowledging his Jewishness on his his ring gear. Barry Horowitz was coming out as a Jew and, and Barry Horowitz had this thing where he would come out and he would pat himself on the back. And I do think that there is, you know, an element of that, which is like nobody else is going to do this to a young Jewish boy. So I'm going to pat myself on the back. His opponent from St. Petersburg, Florida, weighing 231 pounds, Barry Horowitz. And the way that Goldberg was booked, and when we talk about booking, right, let's acknowledge the fact that professional wrestling is physical theater. It is sports entertainment. It is not a um, it is not a real fight between two people. We we all understand that none of us are naive enough to think that it is it is real. So there is somebody who books and chooses who wins and loses. Now, who that person is influenced by is far more important, but ultimately there is somebody who decides you're gonna go out. You're going to win and you're going to look strong. You're going to go out and lose and you're not going to look as strong. Goldberg was pushed out there and he was told, you're going to go out. You're going to spear jackhammer, grunt and groan and blow smoke out your nose. And you're going to look amazing. Barry Horowitz was told, you're going to go out there. You're going to be a schmuck and you're going to lose every single match. And everyone knows when Barry Horowitz goes out to the ring, he's a schmuck. He's a pot. He's going to lose. And I do think that Goldberg kind of, you know, whether it was purposeful or not, changed that whole message about Jewish athletes. I thought to myself, maybe I have one badass spear left in me. Then I thought to myself, maybe I have one last devastating jackhammer in me. He probably doesn't care that he did that, or maybe he does, but I do think that's what happened. And uh, I wonder if Goldberg has ever spoken about seeing Barry Horowitz, because I think that would be fascinating. The Horowitz-esque character who who wasn't the wrestler wasn't Jewish, but I would say the character was Mike Rotunda, IRS. Oh, in our shyster. I mean, even I could tell he was meant to be a Jewish character. You had a, a Gentile playing a Jewish wrestler. I don't think he was openly stated as Jewish, but obviously coded as Jewish. His name's Owen R. Shyster. Shyster? Oh, bloody heck. And to me, that was kind of what it felt like wrestling was presenting Jewish people as. You know, these joke characters leaning into the stereotypes. Yeah, I, I think Goldberg is such a refreshing figure there. I mean, even going back to, you know, we'll, we'll talk a bit more about Andy Kaufman, I, I think. Even though he was not uh, a Horowitz, his character was Jewish in the way that he was Jewish in this sneaky, underhand, cheating, heelish way. Goldberg just kind of changed the whole game for that. Talk about Andy Kaufman. A lot of people obviously know him as, as the guy from Taxi or the kind of comedian, yeah. but he was also had this wrestling career. Can you explain that? Andy Kaufman in the wrestling 
I mean, I can I can talk briefly about Andy Kaufman. I don't claim any expertise on it, but I know that he was such a big wrestling fan. This was at the time when there were still territories in American wrestling. So I would say the before WrestleMania one. So we're going back to like early eighties. One of the biggest territories was down in Memphis. And Memphis was uh, and still is actually a hotbed of independent professional wrestling. And Andy Kaufman saw Memphis wrestling, loved it, and decided to go down there. And I think before he went down there, he'd been doing a lot of like video work where he'd send it into Memphis wrestling saying that he was the uh, intergender champion where he would fight any woman and beat her and he would do this on wrestling shows and he would do this in Memphis and the surrounding areas um, and it eventually got to the point where it was hot right the crowd were, were annoyed and angry with him and they hated him because he would literally bring in females from the crowd and some of them were plants and some of them weren't he would take them down and, and pin them this is in the 60s and 70s uh, and 80s where you don't put your hands on a woman intergender wrestling was not the thing that it is today. And anyway, so he ended up getting into this program with Jerry the King Lawler, and he took a pile driver from Jerry the King Lawler. Lawler with a pile driver. Only the second move by Lawler, and bang goes Kaufman. It's going to be a disqualification. Danny Davis, his manager. Not the spot was meant to be the, you know, take the pile driver, lose the match, get back, right? And he went down after this pile driver and he said to the referee, I'm not getting up. And the ref's like, what do you mean you're not getting up? You've got to, this, this show's <laughs> got to go on. And he stayed in the ring and he said, tell Jerry Lawler to call me an ambulance. And Jerry's like, that's not going to pay for your ambulance. And he stayed in the ring and they ended up having to call him an ambulance and he went to the hospital and it was a whole thing. He made this angle beautifully. Um, he made wrestling real for that period of time. They ended up being on David Letterman and they did this whole angle where basically Jerry Lawler was going to apologize and they hadn't planned this. And then Jerry Lawler thought, you know what, I'm not going to apologize. And he legitimately slapped the living heck out of Andy Kaufman live on David Letterman. Well, no, I didn't because that's, I'm not that kind of a guy. Yeah. Like, you know what? Uh, what kind of a guy are you? <laughs> no. no. Not the kind of guy you are. I'll just be over here. Uh, here. We're going you know, to uh, pause here for station you know, I, identification and get the hoses out here. Um, and it just it became one of the biggest publicity events around wrestling for that era and it was huge and people still talk about it and then they made that movie Man on the Moon starring Jim Carrey um, which again is a phenomenal movie there is a documentary about it as well which I very much recommend this year I think rather nicely they inducted him into the WWE Hall of Fame you know I, I, a lot of things came out during the Hall of Fame speech his family basically came out and said this would have meant more to Andy Kaufman than an Oscar or an Emmy because Andy Kaufman at heart was a wrestling fan more than anything else um, which I think is really cool because again he has that Jewish name he himself has Jewish heritage and it's just a nice little piece I think for Jews to see that person in the Hall of Fame maybe he didn't have the body to be wrestling <laughs> against men <laughs> but uh, and he's so appreciated like a real wrestling audience thanks for that I love that because it's, I think it shows that wrestling is more than just two people fighting it's it's the storyline it's the theatrics it's the kind of crowd work and clearly Andy Kaufman knew what he was doing and and there is a legacy I guess of, of that moment in in what you go to watch wrestling today you're going to be entertained Oh, yeah. I mean, I would say that some of the things that they are doing today in the WWE could well be worthy of an Emmy. If we now fully acknowledge that wrestling is entertainment above anything else, 
the storylines that they are doing today I mean there's one right now with a group called the Bloodline and Sami Zayn who not Jewish but there is a Jewish strand within the Sami Zayn story which I think we'll come on to because it certainly uh, revolves around somebody who is Jewish which is Paul Heyman ladies and gentlemen my name is Paul I mean, Paul Heyman, for me, is probably the most Jewish character in modern professional wrestling. For those who don't know, he's kind of started off, I would say, maybe as a, as a manager, but kind of dubbed himself an advocate to, to Brock Lesnar. And then currently now, the Roman Reigns, who is creeping up to a thousand days as the undisputed champion. Uh, what was it? What's it Heyman calls himself now? He's not, he's not an advocate. He's, he's, he's the wise man. Wise man, of course. He's always been this Jewish character. Again, I don't think he's ever explicitly said, I'm Paul Heyman, the Jewish character. Character, but he uses Yiddish terms, he uses kind of Jewish mannerisms. Oh, wise man! Really? Hey, hey. Oh, oh good to see you! Oh, so tell me, oh, how was your Hanukkah? Oh, about as good as your Ramadan. Oh, blessed. Blessed. It is a blessed. So he knows what he's doing with regards to tapping into that Jewish essence of this character, which, like you said, I think it is him up times by a thousand. He's the Jewish lawyer character, whether or not he's a lawyer explicitly, yeah. that's who he's playing. Yeah. If we go back to when Paul Heyman was first on television back in the WCW days, he had his Zach Morris giant cell phone. About that phone, is it, is it a real phone or is that a loaded phone? A loaded, you mean like do I actually put something in here to sure. hurt the people that I sure. that I allegedly hit with my phone? Sure, you're you're I have never in my life put anything in a telephone. When I buy this telephone, I buy it to talk to my Wall Street investors. And as a matter of fact, Tony Shivani, right now, right here, all across the world. I'll let you jam on my telephone. Go ahead. Paul Heyman shows up with it as the manager of the Dangerous Alliance back in the WCW days. And then ECW, I think you see less Jewishness in him because he's less of a on-screen character. But, you know, I've got a clip here, which is with Paul Heyman and Kurt Angle. Let, let me just see if I can play the audio for you. Um, I got Kurt Angle in front of me. I'll talk to you later. Oh. And a good Pesach to you too, my friend. Oh, brilliant. And it's just like, this was on WWE television in the build-up to the biggest event of their calendar. And they allowed Paul Heyman to say, in all Paul Heyman character, and a good Pesach to you too. And Paul Heyman very much taps into his Jewish yeah. so many times. Well, you on know? a previous episode, Nick and I were talking about, on the first episode, we, we spoke about punk rock. And we spoke about Malcolm McLaren, who, as yeah. Nick pointed out, really leans into, really lent into the negative negative Jewish tropes. The, the idea being people will point and say, look at the Jew who's controlling everyone, look at the Jewish manager, look at the Svengali. That's what they want, let's give them that. And I think to me, it feels like Paul Heyman is of that type where he's saying, well, I'm here, I'm a, a Jewish professional wrestling manager. People will point and say, look, look at the Jew behind the scenes. Well, dialed it up to 11 and makes it something uh, that's just wonderful entertainment. I took you in, I befriended you. I taught you, I trained you, I martyred my entire career for you. For sure. 
And I think that's exactly what Paul Heyman does. But I also think he started doing it very casually and dare I say very subtly. And he has now kind of been like, I don't need to be subtle about this. It's now obvious to the point where he's able to say happy Pesach on camera to an audience of millions, very few of which will have any idea what that means. But to the few, it really means a lot, which I think is, is fabulous. But I do agree. I think that WWE and other wrestling companies have lent into that idea of the Jew behind the scenes pulling the strings, the Wizard of Oz type of mentality. And I think Paul Heyman is certainly the best example of it, but I'm sure that there are other examples of people doing it. I mean, you can go all the way back to the territory days and you'll find examples as well. Do you think that's a potentially damaging aspect? I mean, like I say, Paul Heyman's maybe my favourite ever character in the business, but then a bit of me sometimes wonders, is there an aspect of this where someone watching it who isn't Jewish, who will just absorb these tropes and maybe not take it with the, the level of humour that Heyman is, is putting into it and just, just think the negative uh, stereotypes is underlining them and making them real. I'm a Jew and my people, we're not hunters, we're furriers, you know? I mean, right. I, you see, the whole crew's laughing now about that, especially the guy over there who's Jewish, because he knows, because you know, it's like, I can't kill the thing, but I can make you a nice lapel yeah, out of it. But you're getting the diamonds as well. How y'all in, as, as you would say, I'd diamonds... Fires, a movie business, what's the deal here? It's a monopoly. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? 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 We're we, people. I, I, my, my people. Yeah. What? Well, we, well, we own everything. I know. How is that? Well, because uh, we, we, well, we're the smart people. We're, we're the Jews. You know? Yes. Ultimately, any trope and any stereotype around a group of people is damaging. Um, I think that is, unfortunately, that is true. Anytime, and I think, you know, I do a lot of work here in the States around anti-Semitism. I'm still very much involved in Jewish life here. And all of the tropes that you see are, are damaging. You can argue that when you flip the script like they did with Goldberg, it still is damaging because you're still asking the question, can he really be this good? if he's a Jew, right? There's dangerous pieces to this. I don't think it's all dangerous. I think that, you know, there's nothing wrong with having characters being played. You could argue that LWO, the Latino world order, were just stereotypical Mexican gangsters. You can argue, you know, that the aces and eights from TNA were just stereotypical hell's angels. So there's always stereotypes in wrestling, but when you're dealing with a, a minority, you're dealing with a very persecuted minority like the Jewish people, all of those stereotypes Stereotypes sadly are damaging. But as a person who shares that identity, I kind of love it because I'm finally seeing myself represented in different ways. Did I get excited when Goldberg was champion? Sure. Finally, we've got a Jewish heavyweight champion. Did I get excited seeing Paul Heyman say happy Pesach on Raw? Yeah, it was really cool. The other side of it is like when they present these things in a negative way, which I think, you know, they're very careful of doing, but I do think they have done in the past with Barry Horowitz, for example, does that have a negative effect on the reputation of Jews in sport? Yes, it does. Does it have a negative reputation on Jews in wrestling? Maybe to a lesser degree because it's just so niche. But I think there's always danger with stereotypes. There's always danger with tropes. You know, when we talk about the IRS one, which I know we kind of mentioned briefly, like it was never said that he was Jewish, right? It was never said that he was Jewish. However, the presentation, the name, the occupation, the underlying idea that money would solve all of your problems. Hey, you're making me cry, but it's not going to work. 
because you're going to pay your fair share of tax just like everyone else. Now get out of my office. I've got a lot of work to do. But, please. No buts. Go on, get out of here. I have some important business to attend to. That goes back to Shakespeare. That goes back to Merchant of Venice, right? I mean, it's all recycled tropes that continue to come through. And wrestling as a medium, is it's not immune to it, right? It's going to pull from all of these other places. IRS is the Shylock character from Merchant of Venice. Had there have been a yarmulke on him, now we're looking at right in your face, anti-Semitism. They were good, right? They were good about it. They didn't do that. I think the name Shyster, again, it's not a, it's not a Jewish term. But it is. It is, yeah. Where did that term come from? Well, it came from that idea that Jews controlled the money. So I think WWE were very careful, but they were very smart in, in using that character without really pushing the idea that he was a Jew. I think in some ways you could say that Jews have got off lightly with regards to tropes and stereotypes in the WWE to a much lesser extent today. I'm not saying it's completely absent. If you look at the way uh, African-American wrestlers in particular were presented yeah. over the years and how they were Booked. I think it's definitely worth sort of mentioning it as well. You see, the fact is, Booker, somebody like you doesn't get to be a world champion. Wow. You see, people like you don't deserve it. That's reserved for people like me. I would push in there as well, Indian wrestlers. Oh, yes. I mean, yeah. I don't think there's been an Indian wrestler in WWE before Jinder Mahal who wasn't called something, something Singh. Yeah. Right. And it's just like, okay, you know, but even Jinder, I mean, his name, Mahal. Oh, he's backed by the Singh brothers, wasn't he, for a while as he well? Was. Yeah. For, for a short period of time but you know at least now they're put, they, they've somewhat moved away from it but not really you know Indu Share being a tag team that just you know has a very stereotypical look which they probably push and buy into because again turn yourself up to 11 as you say is the way to do it you're right I think perhaps Jews have got off lightly in WWE perhaps ask a question why we may not have time to really go into but I'm sure there are reasons good time to introduce uh, probably the most famous Jewish wrestler of the moment MJF the limited things I know about him he's very famous he's very popular and he's quite articulate about his Jewishness but it's not part of his character is that right he would come to the ring as Maxwell Jacob Friedman again a very very Jewish sounding name and he'd wear this Burberry scarf he would you know come down to the ring and be very very good on the mic and very very good in the ring uh, you know pretty much the, the total package and I think recently over the last year or so has become a lot more vocal about being Jewish to the point where I, I think about a month ago he had his re-bar mitzvah live on AEW uh, Dynamite I think does he uh, play up to any tropes is he nebbish is he Svengali like does he do anything that you could say oh he's, he's stereotypical yeah I mean he plays up to a trope that I don't know if we can say is exclusively Jewish but he won't wrestle for free 
free. This isn't necessarily Jewish in itself. You know, you can have a match on, you know, Monday Night Raw or Dynamite or SmackDown or Rampage. And those are on cable television that most people can access. But then you can have a match on pay-per-view or premium live event where people actually have to pay extra to see those matches. And MJF is, you know, vocal about, I won't wrestle for free. So one could argue that given his presentation as somebody who is getting rebar mitzvahed on television as a Jew who is unwilling to wrestle for free, that that buys into the Jews control the money. Jews are motivated by money. I, I don't so, understand. Why won't you get paid to wrestle if you're doing a Monday Night Raw? Or Well, he will, you will. You'll still get paid. It's the notion of people can tune in at home and not have to pay extra. I don't think that's a Jew. I mean, that, that's what most boxers are on that, right? Like Tyson Fury, he's always on like a pay-per-view fight. You know, yes. you're not going to just be able to watch it. But everyone else, everyone else will wrestle on the weekly show because, you know, that's the day job. That's the bread and butter. But he's saying, yeah. you want me? You've got to pay a little bit extra. I like that. I like that chutzpah. I don't think that's. I don't think that's the but same. Even calling it chutzpah in itself. Yeah, but you know, he's, he's not walking around with a file of facts, and uh, he's got his mum in the corner or something. Interestingly, <laughs> his mum is actually becoming quite the character. Oh, really? I, mom, I take it back. His mum shows up to to the events with signs that basically say MJF is his mum hates MJF. It's brilliant. His mum's like, I hate MJF. What? It's funny. It's you know. And I am joined by the parents of Maxwell Jacob Friedman, the people responsible for bringing MJF into this world. We are the bad ones. We are the bad ones and we'd like to say we are sorry. We apologize to the entire world. He is a fucking idiot, but he's ours. It's the it's the opposite of the good Jewish mother, right? It's essentially the, the bad Jewish mother. Like, I hate my son. Or perhaps it's Jewish guilt personified. He's in the ring and he should be looking after me. The thing I love about MJF is elicit sympathy by being a bit of a weasel and, and stringing you along before he pulls the rug out from under you. And he does that so well. But he gave that promo about how when he was growing up as a wrestling fan, being bullied by his peers at school as, as you know, the Jew boy. And for someone to address that, and for him to bring that up in a promo as a means to elicit sympathy granted albeit it's MJF he's going to use that to twist with your emotions I thought that was a fascinating thing to have there for a presumably 90-95% non-Jewish audience trying to get sympathy from them by saying look here I, I, I was bullied for being Jewish you should be feeling bad for me this is why I am the way I am and all of them decided to throw the quarters at me as hard as they physically could And they said, pick it up, Jew boy, pick it up. Yeah, I don't think anyone else has, has done that before and played on that piece. I mean, I think we've spoken about Paul Heyman bringing elements of his Judaism into his uh, his promos and whatnot. But I think you're right. Like, MJF is certainly pushing the envelope when it comes to bringing his Judaism into his character. And I think it's probably taken until 2023 for that to be even remotely acceptable. I can imagine, again, being in a television executive's office and somebody pitching that in the 90s and the television executive being absolutely not we cannot mention that on television and I do think that like as the world goes through whatever type of transition it is going through whether you want to call it becoming more woke or becoming more progressive certainly television becoming more progressive in that way you are seeing more niche identities being brought out you know and that goes not just in the religious community but also if we look at LGBT representation in wrestling as well that is becoming a big big facet that we are 
are now seeing a lot more of, you know, maybe in the last eight to 10 years, WWE have been doing a really nice job each and every February highlighting, you know, for African-American History Month, some of the uh, contributions that uh, black wrestlers have made to the industry. Known collectively as the Soul Patrol, Mr. USA Tony Atlas and Soul Man Rocky Johnson were an unstoppable physical force in the squared circle. I think we're getting somewhere quite interesting, though, because I think essentially these people, by being Jewish, you know, it's very easy to interpret what they do in different ways. You go, oh, that's not Jewish. But actually, oh, but it's the opposite. So it is Jewish or they're playing to a stereotype. They're not playing to a stereotype. And it's like because they can't escape being Jewish. You can't anonymously be a Jewish wrestler because it's it's a novelty, but also, you know, it's part of who they are, I guess, deep down. I don't think there's been, you know, a wrestler that has been a Jewish wrestler that has made it to the mainstream. If we go onto the independence, that is is a whole world of ridiculousness where you do actually have a wrestler called the wrestling rabbi. a promotion in Israel called Israeli Professional Wrestling Association and they actually had a wrestler called the Wrestling Rabbi and this was in Israel so it was even more inherently Jewish somehow and then nowadays on the independent wrestling scene there are two wrestlers one is called Gal Barkay who comes out as the Israeli action figure because he literally has one of the most impressive physiques I've ever seen first in the corner to my left from Tel Aviv Israel weighing in at 200 pounds, the Israeli superstar, Gal Berkey! Um, and then you have Yuval Goldschmidt, who is based out in Germany. So you do have now on the independent wrestling scene, people who are using Israel as their Jewish identity. As a commentator, I've gotten to commentate on both of those wrestlers. Gal Barquet's finishing move is called the Jew Thunderbomb, reminiscent of Sami Zayn's Blue Thunderbomb. Couldn't quite get there. Flip off the ropes. Oh, wow. Jew Thunderbomb off the ropes. Just a two count you know again like there are ways in which independent wrestlers have a little bit more leeway to do more with their character because they don't have a television executive saying you can't put that on television if Dal Barquet makes it to the WWE his finishing move will no longer be called the Jew Thunderbomb and Gal Barquet could very well make it to the WWE because he is exceptionally talented and is certainly a name to watch out for in the wrestling world as we keep going into the future, you're going to see more and more of the niche or minority identities shown on television. And I think MJF is kind of leading the way when it comes to his Jewish identity being brought out. I think others have tried, but failed uh, on the big stage. I think one of the guys, Hulk Cabana, who in the podcast world is probably more famous than he is in the wrestling world because he was really the innovator in wrestling podcasts, which is now a billion dollar industry, I'm sure. This is the art of of wrestling with professional wrestler Colt Cabana. 
Um, but Colt Cabana did try for a short amount of time on television to be a Jewish character when he was hired by the WWE. He made a career of being Colt Cabana on the independent wrestling scene. And then when he was hired by WWE, he became Scott Goldman. And I do believe had on his singlet, much in the same way as Barry Horowitz, he had the mug and dove, the Star of David. But it just didn't connect. Scott Goldman character for Colt Cabana, like, tried to utilize his Jewishness in a way. But I do think at that time it was just a little too early. The great Carolee says, I do not want to take on someone as talented and good looking and smart as Scotty Goldman. That's a comedian, huh? Sorry. Don't blink, you will miss something. Yeah, maybe he wasn't fully committed to it, or maybe the WWE weren't fully aware of what they were trying to do. But I do think that was a first time in the modern era, so to speak, when uh, somebody's Jewishness was portrayed on screen. It just didn't go anywhere. And now I think MJF is really taking that concept of showing his Jewishness in the way, you know, to have a rebar mitzvah, which is a, an amazing thing to see, you know, as a Jew, as a as a Jewish wrestler, to have MJF doing something so Jewish on television. Coming out with his talis on, mugging Davids everywhere, blue and white, everything. It was great to see. And hilarious at the same time. It was very reminiscent of the Mankind Rock This Is Your Life segment way back in the day. This is Big Rock. This is important. As a matter of fact, this is your life. I'm, I'm very heartened by all this. It sounds like we're moving away from the stereotypes and the tropes towards a more progressive, identity-driven version of wrestling that's more inclusive. And actually, that's um, that's a beautiful thing, I think. You know, it's... Oh, it really is. Let me tell you, probably the most progressive and inclusive thing that I have seen in 20 years. The beginning of the month in April was WrestleMania 39, I believe. Biggest WrestleMania in history, okay? And any time WrestleMania happens, the independent wrestling world World. They try to piggyback on the uh, on the event, and there are 50 to 60 wrestling events happening over the course of a weekend. So this time around, a wrestling promotion called Second Wrestling, they had an event called Mitzvah Mania. 7.46 in the morning, I got my routine, a cup of coffee, two Gatorades before bell time, and Mitzvah Mania, first ever Jewish wrestling show. Temple Bethlehem, we're coming at you. Second wrestling, let's go. It took place in a synagogue in LA and it had Jewish people on the card. Very well-known Jewish people, some of whom we have already spoken about, on the card, including Gal Barkay. Colt Cabana was on the card. The ex-WWE and uh, Impact wrestler Victoria, who is converted to Judaism. It was just such an event that was like, it was mitzvah mania promoted by a rabbi. Yeah, when we talk about like this movement towards more acceptance, We've had, for a while, there is a, an independent wrestler who goes by the name of Effie, E-F-F-Y, and he is championing of the LGBTQ plus community. And he has this thing a few times a year called Effie's Big Gay Brunch. Big. It's gay. It's brunch. It's professional wrestling for us. Effie is bringing the biggest and gayest wrestling show for Wrestling Weekend. 
On Saturday, April 4th, all the colors of the Lgia and Rainbow will unite to put on the greatest gay show of all time. It's a wrestling event, and, you know, I don't know if everyone on the show is part of the LGBTQ community, but the vast majority of them are, and it's hilarious. Not hilarious, funny. Like, it's some really good wrestlers on the show. One of his best-selling t-shirts says, wrestling is gay. And, and it really is, um, if you think about it. Um, but at the same time, you know, I didn't think there would ever be a wrestling is Jewish type of thing. But Mitzvah Mania really kind of did push for this show it was produced by a promotion called second wrestling they're on twitter at two e-c-o-n-d wrestling and it was great the the whole event was in a synagogue the whole event was like very much promoting judaism it was the first ever jewish mania and as i think nico you're right like we're moving into that world now and we moved into a time where a lot of these niche identities or minorities are being celebrated more and more and for me mitzvah mania is right now the pinnacle of that before this conversation i would have thought you know wrestling was a bit more in the kind of florida trump world of american life and actually from talking to you it's, it's leapfrogged over practically every other sport when it comes to tolerance and acceptance of different types of people and i, I had that kind of lenny bruce view about for some reason boxing was jewish wrestling was goyish but actually i'm saying wrestling has a jewishness to it and uh, i love it i I'm very pleased. I'm thrilled. I will acknowledge the fact that there are sections of wrestling that have leapfrogged, but there are also very much independent wrestling promotions that have not okay. um, and are stuck in the past. Um, but that's true of any industry that has lots of denominations and, and factions, so to speak, to use a wrestling term. I think it's brilliant that we have this going, this idea of like mitzvah mania being a thing and a reba mitzvah happening on television because it's been, you know, for so many years we've known that there are Jewish wrestlers but they've never acknowledged it going back so far you know if we go back all the way to glory days of Vern Gagne there were Jewish wrestlers involved in it right there and then and Luthez is still the reigning world heavyweight champion Ruffy Silverstein came within a fall of wearing the belt, but he didn't quite make it. It's fascinating to me how it's now become a lot more accepted and certainly a lot more mainstream because we're seeing wrestling all over the place nowadays. There is so many different threads that we can pull on when we're talking about whether professional wrestling is Jewish. And I think we've really pulled on, so, on a lot of them and each of those threads can continue to be pulled because there's so much more to it. The story of good versus evil, which professional wrestling tells in a variety of different places. So much of that is pulled from Jewish folklore. The idea that there is, you know, and I know that this is not purposeful, but the idea of Sami Zayn, and this is like for the bloodline, the idea that he was brought into a tribe and then kicked out of the tribe is just such a Jewish story. That idea is so reminiscent of the 12 tribes. And then you've got Paul Heyman on the side calling him Shmully instead of Sammy, just kind of twisting the knife a little bit more to be like, you were a part of my tribe and now you're not. And it's an underlying message that you were Shmully and now you're back to Sammy. Threads that just definitely travel through at the very top of, you know, the wrestling world. Um, and then you take it all the way down to the idea of like there being a wrestling rabbi in Israel. It's just like that, that the breadth of those stories are huge. We have this running joke, Nico and I, that I will 
will always try and drag everything back to the Bible. The first sort of wrestler that we know of is, is Jacob, who wrestled the angel on that bridge. It's there in Genesis. Jacob wrestled an angel of God and won. Of course, Jacob, his name means heel catcher. So Jacob's there, the heel baby catcher. Baby. That's what it means. He's taking on the heel, who was booked there by God, obviously. And he, he came out on top. He went over. Jacob went over. And that's why, why we're all here today. Hey, that's fantastic. And th- this has been <laughs> absolutely great. And thank you, Darren. You've blown my mind. Thank you.